Welcome to the Human Resources for Small Business podcast, presented by Zenium HR. I'm your host, Brandon Laws. Whether you're an HR professional or a small business leader, each episode of this podcast is designed to bring you the latest in technical HR and leadership at your convenience. More content is available on our website at www.zeniumhr.com. Let's dive into today's topic. Hey, welcome to today's show. I'm Brandon Laws. In today's episode, I have a conversation with Ed Musio. He's the CEO of Group Harmonics and the author of the book, Iterate, Run a Fast, Flexible, Focused Management Team. And as we know, change is oftentimes hard, especially for the larger businesses out there. But Ed describes an iterative organization as being one that has a really effective management team that could be fast, flexible, and absorb change as it happens. And he describes all the skills and the tools and other techniques that managers will need to be able to effectively iterate. So if you're having trouble adapting to change and iterating quickly and effectively as as things around your organization are changing, this podcast is definitely going to be for you. And definitely check out the book. We cover a really high level summary of the book, what it's all about. And Ed gives a lot of great tips, but I've read this book cover to cover. It is packed with lots of data, lots of charts, and a lot of things we really can't cover on an audio podcast. So I definitely encourage you to pick that, pick that up. Lucky for you, we're going to give away two books of Iterate. So all you need to do is tweet at us, uh, tweet to your, to your network and tag Zenium HR. It's spelled X-E-N-I-U-M-H-R. That's the handle. And Ed's is at Ed Musio. That's spelled E-D-M-U-Z-I-O. And I'll also put those in the show notes as well so you know who to tag in in the in the post. So enjoy the episode. We've got lots of great content coming your way. Thank you for all the support in 2018. And even prior to that, we've had a record-breaking amount of downloads uh, in 2018. And I want to keep pushing. So uh, one thing I wanted to mention is that we're going to get a lot more content, not only for HR professionals, it's definitely geared towards those as well. But we're also going to have a track that's geared towards senior leaders as well. Because I know a lot of the HR folks, they're sharing it with their leaders as, as topics are timely and relevant to them. So we're going to identify when topics are relevant relevant to HR people and ones for for leaders as well. So more to come on that, but wanted to just kind of give you a little teaser that all that's coming in 2019. It's going to be an awesome year. Enjoy the episode. Hey, Ed, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Welcome. Hi, Brandon. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. So your book, Iterate, Run a Fast, Flexible, Focus Management Team. Fascinating book. In in the book, you make the case that an effective organization is an iterative one. What do you mean? Uh, what does it mean to really be an iterative organization? Well, you know, first you have to kind of talk about the concept of iterating. And I always use the kind of silly example of walking across the parking lot to your car. So you walk out of a, a large building at the mall, maybe, and you, you look at your watch and you need to get to your car in three minutes to stay on schedule. And 
you can't see your car and you think you know where it is, right? And so what do you do? You, you head out in the direction you think is best. And, and usually what happens is that's the most boring part of your day, right? So you get there. Now, what happens there is actually a little bit sophisticated, right? So you've got this executive office that's your brain that's giving this command, right? Please get to the car in three minutes. You got your workforce, that's your feet that's carrying it out. But along the way, a lot of things can change, right? So your feet can deal with fluctuations in the surface, you know, gravel or slippery or not. And they can do that without sort of quote unquote management approval, right? In the meantime, in your executive office, you're looking out over the horizon and you're seeing, oh, that's not my car or there's an obstruction in my way. We need to change course. And you can do that with a minimum of shuffle. And, you know, there's not a change management campaign that has to happen before you turn directions, right? Your feet are also using blood oxygen. That's a resource. And if they don't get enough, they can escalate to middle management for more. Um, that's your cardiovascular system. And if middle management can't fulfill that itself, it can escalate all the way up to your your brain, basically. And, and you'll get a message from your body that says, please breathe harder or walk slower or go to the gym more, right? So, so all of that's going on. And, and it's actually a lot that's happening. It's very boring to watch. But what's, what's really happening is every time you take a step, you're gleaning information, right? You're learning about the surface. You're getting a little closer to where you thought your car was. You're seeing something clearer in the distance that's maybe an obstruction. And with every step you take, the information you get gets incorporated into your next step. And so if we take that over to the organization, we need the same thing to happen, right? You can sit down at the beginning of your year in January or whatever, and you can lay out a plan to where you want to go and, and how you think you're going to get there. But the truth is everything's changing constantly, right? So if you don't have a management team that's systematically reevaluating what we thought was going to happen in the future, what we now think will happen given our current course and what adjustments we need to make to get our current course to align to where we want to be, then you know all the planning in the world in January is not going to help you with that. You've got to be able to adapt and adjust. That's basically what iterative management is about. As an organization... If one is not an iterative organization, as you describe it in the book, what does it take at the basic level to really start going down that path of being iterative and, and going through that process? Well, you know, I think I, before I answer that, let me say this. My, my suspicion is that most functioning organizations are doing this in some way anyway, right? So I think mm -hmm. it's rare that an organization lays out a plan in January follows it blindly all year and still exists two or three years later, right? So I think I think there are aspects of this going on. I think probably what's fair to say is in many cases, it's being done on the backs of people doing the work in an inefficient way that makes life harder. And so I think if you, if you want to get better at being an iterative organization, what you're really trying to do is to say, let's run an organization that actually reflects, acknowledges, and makes use of reality as opposed to one that sort of pretends it has a plan and has ceremonial meetings about the plan, but then behind the scenes, everybody sort of runs around and makes things okay, right? So maybe one answer to that, it's a bit of a complex question, but one thing to start with is you can look at your meetings, look at the conversations, and, and you can ask yourself, you know, to what extent are these meetings and conversations two things? A, are they about reality, right? Are we actually talking about what's changing and what we're going to do about it? Or are we sort of pretending that things are going according to plan? And then B, are they forward-looking? Which is to say, are we sitting around saying, here's what we've done so far? Or are we sitting around saying, here is the current course that we think we're on, and here's how that's different from the course we need to be on, right? So if we're looking forward and looking for variance in the future, that's addressable. You know, you and I, Brandon, can sit together and say, what should we do today about this thing that's going to be different in the future than we want? A lot harder for us to do anything useful if all we do is sit and talk about 
here's how much I got done. How much did you get done? Here's where we are, right? <laughs> yeah. Ed, you had a, a really awesome uh, graphic and illustration uh, of what a iterative organization looks like. And you compared it to a heating and cooling system. Can you share how that's similar to what you're talking about, describing with uh, the iterative organization and how a heating and cooling system works? Yeah, sure. So, so that that heating and cooling system is a funny one. People seem to really like it, and it's so simple. I like it a lot. It is, and you know, I think it's it's sort of it's a simple, common experience. Like right? we all have one of those. And and the, the important thing is, a heating and cooling system is a feedback loop, and it is your thermostat that gives the feedback. Right? So you've got this big machine in your roof that can crank out hot air or cold air, and you've got something you want to happen, which is a temperature. And so you set your thermostat at that temperature, and all your thermostat is doing is it's checking the room and saying, where are we relative to where we want to be? And then it's sending a command up to the machine to say, you know, come on or don't come on or blow hot or blow cold or whatever, right? So that's that piece is feedback. Now, feedback is sort of a dangerous word to use because we think about it in management terms as being sort of me telling you how you're doing if you're working for me. But this is a different thing. This is sort of an engineering de- definition of feedback, which is the system checks where it is, and then uses feedback to adjust itself in the right direction. Take that over to the organization, and iteration requires feedback, right? On that walk to your car, you're looking ahead and saying, am I in the right direction? Is that my car or not? And feeding that back in, that's what's making the adjustments. In the temperature of the room, it's the thermostat doing it. In the organization, it's the management team. The management team controls mm-hmm. all the resources in the company. They have a clear, or at least the clearest understanding of what the objectives and outcomes that we want are, you know, what the organization wants to accomplish. And so it falls to management to be that feedback system, to be constantly saying, you know, again, are we, are we on or off course to hit the objectives we've defined? And if we're off course, what will we adjust today so that the future we reach will look as much as possible like the future we want to reach? That's the feedback system. And it's different and distinct from giving feedback to an employee, for example. It's so interesting. Uh, I love the metaphor of the thermostat heating cooling system versus the management team as the as the form of feedback loop. One is technology and the other is people, right? So I imagine where things break down and, and where iteration becomes an issue in an organization is where communication stops within a management team, right? So how do you make sure your management team is really effective from a communication standpoint, making sure all the information or at least the goals are stated and that everybody's aligned? Because alignment is probably that that key component to an effective management team. Absolutely. I mean, and, and you put your finger on it, Brandon. I mean, the, the, I, I sort of debated and, and talked to some people and had some debates about whether I should include the management as the thermostat sort of story, because it does sort of fall apart because you're right. I mean, the thermostat is so simple, right? The thing you, the thing it's measuring is one thing. What's the temperature? You know, there's no chance someone's going to get involved with that and have a different opinion about it, right? It's, it's just so simplistic. And, and when we get into management, there's a couple of things going on. One is the one you said, which is different people have different opinions, different ideas, right? People have trouble communicating. They have different agendas. The other thing is, actually, if you're talking about, you know, an organization of more than, let's say, 20 people, different people are at different levels in the organization. So they legitimately have different information sets and they legitimately have different agendas, meaning what they're trying to achieve at their level, right? So you have to get all of these people in coordination with each other. Obviously, there's a lot to that. But one of the key things is to start to bring that that forward-looking information that I talked about, right? This idea that we're saying, you know, where are we headed versus where we want to be headed? Start to bring that into the meetings. Make sure everybody is clear on the where do we want to be headed picture, and secondly, make sure people are clear on the how does that differ than the future we're now seeing. So, so there's a whole section in, in my book about kind of graphical data displays and things 
Because until you can do that, until you can put up a picture and say, as you know, everyone who works with me, Brandon and all my other peers and my boss, here's where I'm trying to go with my resources. Currently, I'm forecasting landing over here instead, which is different. Here's the reason for that. And here's what I think we should do about it, right? That, that whole thing that I just said, we call that an OSIR report, O-S-I-R, objective, status, issue, recommendation. Objective, where I'm trying to go, status, where I'm going to land instead, issue, why it's different, recommendation, what I think we should do, right? That whole thing has to take only a couple of minutes because you need the airtime in the meeting to actually have the conversation about what to do with the recommendation. And until you have those good displays, what happens in meetings, and, and you'll relate to this, I'm sure anyone who works will, is you have these meetings where there's like a whole lot of talking, right? So I'll talk for 10 minutes about how it's going, you know, and you'll talk for 10 minutes about how it's going. And we're all, you know, we're all having a conversation, but at the end of the hour, we didn't even get to a point of making a decision, right? So, so to get past that, you have to have some really good, clear outcomes and also some good, clear graphs to help you kind of figure that out. As a, as a leader, a senior leader, when you, you're working with a management team, how do you make individual managers responsible for very specific uh, graphical data that they could bring to a meeting? How do, you, like, how do you coach teams on how to provide meaningful data that's going to basically streamline communication and get right to the point? Well, you know, it, it's, as you can imagine, a little bit complex, but one of the things that comes into mm -hmm. play, so there's two issues. There's first of all, how do you show your information? And there's the second, how do we bring into the group and deal with it? So, so in how do you show your information, what turns out to matter is more than anything else, there are three different times of output you can produce. You can produce routine output like factory production where they're all the same unit or you know, or imagine yourself signing forms. I have to sign these forms. That's a very simple routine output. You can do troubleshooting where you know the phone rings the problem and then you answer the phone and once you have the problem, you have to solve it. Or you can do project work. We all know what that is. That's you know something off in the future with milestones and checkpoints along the way. Once you figure out what type of output you're trying to do, which is a conversation between the manager and the employee, then you can start to look at, okay, here's a way of representing that. And there's some appendices in the book about that. But, but mm -hmm. it, it, it's critically important to figure out what kind of output you're producing. Because if you try and make a graph of you know counting how many things you made and you're not doing routine work, it's not going to make any sense, right? If you're a guy that waits for the phone to ring and then fixes the problem you get, you can't make that graph because you don't even know what your work is yet, right? So, so you have to get pretty clear about that. What role do uh, th that visual data, when you bring it to a meeting and you're basically displaying uh, either productivity or meeting goals or not meeting goals, well, like what do you really hope that like decisions are made after that point? Like what what comes out of that? Well, what we really want is we want everybody on the team. So you know, let's say you know there's you and me and a couple of people who work for a boss. We want each of us on the team to have a small number of those graphs. So, so you can't be doing like a graph for everything. I have to be able to say, you know, to my boss, hey, look, these are my five things I'm trying to deliver right now. They might not all be like exactly on the one year timeline, maybe one's in two months and one's in six months or whatever. But I can sort of say week after week, this is what I'm heading my resources for. And it's not more than if we think about seven things. So, so what that does is it lets you and everybody else in the team room sort of get used to it, right? So, so now you recognize what I'm doing. So when I put up a variant forecast and I say, hey, look, I'm going to be off, then, you know, then there's this sort of recognition of that right, pretty quickly. The other thing that has to happen is we have to build a set of expectations that says the sooner you detect a future variance, the, the, the better, right? So thank you for bringing in this variance early. Now, that's at odds with a lot of what goes on in a lot of management cultures where you almost have people trying to sort of hide that, right? You know, I'm going to say, oh, I don't want to show them that I've got a problem. I'm going to try and fix it in my area. We certainly want people to fix things in their area if they can. But as soon as you believe, you know, or let's take me, as soon as I believe 
that there's something that's going to happen in my future that's going to affect your work because you know you're Brandon and you're my peer and you do something that that sort of depends on my work because we're collaborating. The sooner I can bring that up, the better. Even if I bring it up and we all say we don't think it's an issue yet, we still say thanks, Ed, for bringing that to our attention early. Instead of saying you know why are you coming here with problems? Because that that mentality, which is hide the problems, is I mean you can you can study the history of failed organizations and you will find I think in most cases people hiding the problems, right? They just didn't want to bring it up. They couldn't bring it up. They weren't allowed to bring it up. We want all that brought in early on because information is power, right? The more information we have, the better we can act. I imagine too, with with that data, especially if you're bringing problems to light, people can rally around it and uh, it probably links the teams well. You talk a lot about linking teams and I imagine not just within one function, but organizational wide, right? So if people are bought into either hitting goals or not hitting goals, they probably can shift really fast and figure out, okay, what do we need to do differently to achieve our goals or uh, to step on the gas or whatever we whatever goals are out there, they probably can rally around it and it probably brings all the teams together. What do you say? I, that's that? right. You said it very well. And I think when I talk about linked teams, one of the key aspects of linked teams, you know, each of the each of the that's one of the five practices and each of them has some detail behind it. One of the key aspects of linked teams is this idea that okay, here's Ed with Ed's goals. Here's Brandon with Brandon's goals and we have a boss and maybe a couple of peers. But the boss says to us, look, Ed, Brandon, peers You've got your goals. You're responsible for your goals. But you are also, and more importantly, together responsible on this team with me for my goals, meaning what I, the boss, owe the rest of the organization is what we, my team, work to deliver. And so what that does, it says, look, you know, Ed, you can't succeed if Brandon fails. Brandon, you can't succeed if Ed fails. We succeed or fail together. And so when I do bring that problem in, you know, what you said exactly happens, which is, you know, you and everybody else, if you dub that problem to be impactful to the higher level goals of our team, then we rally around that problem. And, and you'll say, well, how can I help? What can I offer? If you're not sure you should help, then our debate will be, hey, Ed, look, if I help you, that's going to affect this other part of the higher level goal. What are we going to do about that? But the whole focus is on the team producing its goals. And that's how we eliminate silos, right? Otherwise, we have Ed with Ed's goals and Brandon with Brandon's goals. And, and you know, when Ed has a problem, Brandon says, well, I'm sorry you have a problem, but like that shouldn't be my problem because I could fail too, right? And it, it, it's very reasonable if that's the way it's set up. But if you bring that up, we're looking success in that goes away. So well, how do we how do we rally around the higher level? Because that's what we we on this team owe the organization. Speaking of silos, so I don't remember if you talked about this in your book, but uh, this is certainly not true of like blue collar organizations where they're you know producing something or manufacturing because they're likely all within the same building. But in today's world where a lot of things are digital, people work from home, management teams may be fragmented across the country or internationally. How do you link teams together when when everybody's sort of fragmented and not together physically. Well, I mean, you're talking about, I guess, maybe virtual meetings or whatever. And, and that's, yeah, that's, yeah. It, it's certainly, I'm not going to lie, it presents a challenge, right? I mean, humans work better in mm -hmm. conjunction with each other in real life, right? There's a lot of nonverbals. There's a lot of facial expressions, information that's conveyed, uh, sorry, conveyed. That's pretty important. But conceptually, the tools are the tools, right? And, and it still works pretty well. Like it still works a lot better for our boss to tell you and me, hey, you two are collaborating on my goals. You're not working on your own. You're collaborating on mine. Neither of you is successful if, if my goals fail. That will inspire, I think, us to get together in chat or by phone or whatever has to happen to kind of work on that. Now, is it easier if you're in person? Sure. But I don't think it's a requirement. And I, I think that the, you know, I think what you're really doing 
is you're tapping into, you know, in the same way that virtual work sort of is a challenge because there's parts of our neurology that are looking for, let's say, visual cues and facial expressions. I think this issue of what do you mean by success, right? Your boss is defining success. And so when my boss says, Ed, get your goals done, and that's your success, then this reptile part of my brain comes online and says, okay, got to get the goals done. That's my path to survival, right? And so when Brandon comes in and says, Ed, I need your help, I go, I'm not doing it because I'm not going to break my success for you. But when the boss says to me, no, no, you and Brandon, all of you together, you succeed at my goals or not, all of a sudden I've said, that's the path for survival, right? So now it's almost like, it's almost, and I've seen this happen in iterative organizations. It's like, if you come to me and say, I have a problem, I'll say, I'm going to help you. And, and you'll say, I don't need your help. And I'll say, are you sure? You know, you'll actually see people like, like almost pushing help on each other to say, I don't want us to fail. Let's make sure you're okay. Right. So it's exact opposite of what you see in what I call traditional North American organizations, where it's like, now I've got my stuff, you've got yours. Like, don't bother me with your problems, right? That's that's our boss's problem. Ed, you probably would agree with me when I say uh, most people run meetings very poorly and they're not accompli- accomplishing what they probably need to in the end. So how do we run an effective meeting where, you know, communication's in sync and, and goals are shared and, and you're starting that iterative process? Well, meetings are painful and, and we sort of love to hate them, right? But, <laughs> but all our, all our work in management is done... I mean, if management exists to coordinate the organization, then our work is done in collaboration with each other. So we have to have meetings. So you have to sort of get over the idea that we can't have them, which is good. Once you get over that, you're right. Then how do we like suffer less? There are some simple things like the agenda. Do we have an agenda? Do we know why we're here? What are we doing? You know, if it's a management meeting, the agenda is sort of fixed in the sense of it's to check in. Are we on course or not? But you still need to have some information about like, for example, if Ed's going to come present a problem, the team should know I'm going to present that problem because that way they can prepare for that conversation, right? So there's some, there's, and there's a couple more things like that, some tools around making sure people are contributing and they're not disengaged. Those things are important. The other thing to look for though, and the place I usually start it, in when I'm consulting or coaching somebody is listen for what's going on in the airtime. Here's some things that could be going on. You could have a small number of people either uh, monopolizing the airtime through talking a lot or through asking questions, which is to say they keep asking questions and so they're controlling all of what gets talked about. Uh, you can also have a whole lot of narrative information, right? So you can have Ed stand up and go, let me tell you how it's going in my area and then talk for 10 or 12 minutes about that. It's very natural. But but if instead what you want to hear in the airtime is you want to hear people making proposals and then people discussing those proposals in the context of higher level goals. So what you really want to hear is you want to hear Ed stand up and go, I have a problem. You know how to read my graph. Here's the issue. I think I should get some of Brandon's money to fix this problem. And then Brandon says, if you take that money from me, here's what the effect is of that. And then one of our peers says, well, you know what you could do. And and so it's it's more sort of tentative. It's more like back and forth. There's more breaks in the conversation and it's less people presenting from a position of authority in their area and more people sort of asking, questioning and adjusting from a position of Hey, I understand my area, but how does my area affect your area and how are we going to get there together? That, that's what you're kind of listening for, if that makes sense. What are some of the risks associated with not being an iterative organization? I, I, I kind of look back at your uh, example of the heating and cooling system where if you don't have that thermostat and all of a sudden you have a, like a really cold, snowy day or something, you're in your house, you're uh, it's, it's extremely cold. So like you're freezing and there's nothing really you could do to make that shift. You don't have a thermostat, so it doesn't really recognize what, what temperature it is, right? So translate that to the organization where 
an external force happens, if you're not an iterative organization, what what happens? What are the what are the risks associated with it? Well, you know, there there was a famous quote. I, I hate to do this in a podcast because I may get it wrong, but but there was a famous quote of it was in the early days of Intel Corporation. They were I used to work there years ago in my career. They're one of my sort of influences, and they were certainly iterative. And there was a famous sort of secondhand quote conversation between someone at Intel and somebody at a competitor. And the competitor said, more or less, you can launch a new marketing campaign faster than I can get an airline ticket approved to go talk to somebody, mm. right? That's the risk, right? The risk is, no matter how good your plan is, agility trumps planning, right? Agility beats planning every day of the week, every week of the year. So if if you aren't able to adjust when something happens, then you're going to be wrong, right? Now, how wrong will you be? I don't know. You know, how 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 much will your people sort of take up the slack and work extra hours to kind of make it all okay in the background. You know, I don't know. But but even if that's going on, the the thrust of the organization is is misdirected, right? So we've got this, we've got this plan we're all marching to. We know it's wrong. So we're trying to work in the background to kind of make it okay. How much more powerful is it to say, no, no, the plan's wrong now. It's okay. It was a good plan. <laughs> now it's not, right? Now things have changed. So let's adjust and and take the whole push of the organization in the right direction instead of forcing our individuals to kind of sort things out on their own. It's it's just, it's a tax. And, you know, if you get lucky, it's a small tax. If you get unlucky, it's a big tax, but it could be big enough to eat you if you're not careful. And I, I kept things pretty high level just because your book, I had a chance to read it cover to cover, by the way. It, it's packed with data processes, uh, lots of information that we couldn't even cover fully on the podcast. But before we part ways, I wanted to just ask you, is there anything specifically in this book that you want listeners to know before uh, they really jump into the iterative organization model and um, anything else that you'd want to talk about? You know, I think one one concept that comes up early on that that is a little bit granular, but really important is I talk about management with a capital mint versus managing with a capital ing. We have a lack of vocabulary in this area. and And usually when we talk about managers and we give managers advice, it's under the heading of what I call managing. So managing means, you know, I've got an employee that works for me. Maybe that person's a manager, maybe they're not, but I've got to set goals and I've got to deal with compensation. I've got to keep them engaged. I've got to keep them motivated. I've got to support their development. That's all really, really important. And and I don't mean to say it's not, but there's a whole other category of stuff I have to do as a manager, which is what I call management with a capital mint. And that is what we've been talking about, which is acting as the feedback system. And so what I'm finding is, when I start to talk to people about this concept of iterative management, they, they sort of get almost distracted. They start talking about these important things about, you know, motivating the workforce and about, you know, figuring out proper compensation and market-based compensation and things. And, and all of that is not wrong. It's actually really important. But there's this other thing, which is if you as a manager and your fellow managers are not functioning in coordination with each other to constantly ask that important question, which is given our current trajectory, relative to our future goals, are they online or not? And if not, how should we adjust today to change what happens tomorrow? If they're not asking that question as a group, if they're not answering that question as a group and making adjustments based upon those answers, then all of the managing in the world, while it may make your employees happier in the short term, is not going to make your organization successful in the long term. And by the way, employees like successful organizations. So it's not going to help you with retention or engagement either, as much as it could if you were actually functioning in your management role as well. Ed Musio, thank you so much for being part of the podcast. You're the author of Iterate, Run a Fast, Flexible, Focused Management Team. Where can people find the book or learn about you or what other stuff do you want to point people well, to? Well, the book's website is iteratenow.com. 
And there are some videos and resources there, including a, a video example of what it looks like when iterative management is happening. So that's a great place to start. My firm is Group Harmonics. So you can find me at groupharmonics.com. Both of those places have links to social media, things like that. All right. Thanks, Ed. I appreciate the time. Thank you, Brandon. Good to be here. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Human Resources for Small Business podcast. Subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out our blog at www.zeniumhr.com forward slash blog and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn to hear about the latest in HR and leadership. The information on today's episode is for educational purposes only and should not be taken as legal or customized advice for you or your organization. This podcast is hosted and fully produced by Brandon Laws, that's me, and created and owned by Zenium Resources, Inc. For more information or to contact us, visit www.zeniumhr.com. <laughs>